I don't know anyone that doesn't think that 2020 has been a challenging year. I've been sharing with the church that I pastor since the end of last year that I thought that 2020 was going to be a year of chaos and it certainly has not let me down, not in the least, though I would say at this point I would love for a little bit of a change. Now when I shared about 2020 being a year of chaos, I was thinking about the chaos of the presidential election. That's certainly been chaotic and we still have a couple more weeks left and so I'm sure the chaos of everything going on with the elections will just continue to ramp up. But when I talked about this year being a year of chaos, coronavirus was a headline maybe on page five, nowhere near the front page of the news. but. It has now dominated 2020 for more than seven months. And as a result of COVID, we've, we've um, experienced shutdowns and economic insanity, massive unemployment, huge government spending. We've had stimulus checks and fear and anxiety, masks. And then in large part, due to all the pent up frustration and anger from shutdowns, I think, We've spent the last four to five months dealing with protests and riots, division and total chaos in our culture. Civil unrest is really what it has looked like. And there's a very good possibility that we'll see more of that. Now, as you've probably determined, I pastor a church. And for the last seven months, we've been doing church almost entirely online. It is definitely not my fave, but I've gotten a bit more used to talking to a camera, as you might be able to tell. And now I've got a legit home office, which is nice to have. I can actually work from home. But in all of this, people want to know, when are we going to get back to life as normal and church as normal? And it's not just people that attend my church asking this. I think there's people throughout our culture that are wondering, when are we going to get to life and church as normal? When are we going to stop following these draconian measures and just open the church? Those are really good questions. But it is passages like the one that we are reading through this morning in Titus chapter 3 that make easy answers to those kind of questions rather difficult. And, and really, it starts in the last verse of chapter 2. So it's not just chapter Three. And so if you look at Titus chapter 2, the very last verse, you read these words. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Paul is writing to a younger minister who Paul had been involved in raising up in the ministry and discipling. And he had sent him to go and minister on the island of Crete. And now he's writing this letter back to him to explain to him how he ought to uh, lead the church in, in raising up elders to lead the church there in that place. And so he says, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. What is he supposed to speak and to exhort the church? Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable gentle, showing all humility to all men. So I remind you to submit to rulers and authorities and to obey them. 
the Apostle Peter, he had a very similar exhortation. He said it in this way, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of men for the Lord's sake, whether to kings as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him, by God. But the rulers that Paul and Peter were submitting to, they must have been reasonable and rational rulers, right? I mean, that's the, that's the question when you read something like the exhortations from Paul and Peter about how we are to submit to every ordinance of man, to the king. We don't have a king in America, but to governors, we definitely have those. And I live in California, so we've got a doozy of a governor. But we are told to submit to every ruler, every authority. And of course, we would say, well, they must have been really reasonable and rational rulers that Paul and Peter were submitting to. Yeah, not so much. Both of these guys were actually executed for their faith. But we're being persecuted, and we have rights under the Constitution. Absolutely. And one of those rights, in the very same First Amendment that gives us the right for worship and to the right to free expression of religion, which I wholly hold on to, but in that same amendment is the right to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And we're in the midst of an election right now where we get to lawfully petition our government for a redress of grievances. And I would say that <clears throat> if you're passionate about these things, and I am passionate about these things, I think that you should vote. I, I will vote. I have, I'm waiting for my ballot to get here. I haven't voted quite yet. But we have the right to petition our government for a redress of grievances. <clears throat> Paul didn't have that right. Neither did Peter. But still, he said, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. I'm sure I'm making a lot of friends here. <clears throat> Maybe I'll even get a dislike on this video, video but the fact is, we can't be lovers of some passages of Scripture and not of others. And to the pastors, I've heard say things like, if your pastor hasn't opened your church yet, you need to vote with your feet and to leave that church. I say, you're doing it wrong. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's Christ's church. And he says to his church, be subject to rulers and authorities to obey them. Those are hard truths from the scriptures, but something that I think all of us need to think about deeply, to meditate upon as we have our coffee today. We'll see you next time.